Welcome to the Strange Brew Podcast. My name's Jason Barnard 
And this is the second part of our show with Alan Clark, legendary Holly's frontman. We had a fantastic response to the first part, so it's an absolute pleasure to move into the post-Nash years. You've just heard John Bryan's version of Sorry Suzanne from the Sings Holly's in Reverse tribute album from the mid-90s. So let's move into more from Alan and hear a little bit more about that track. After Graham left, you basically just carried on coming out with some massive hits. Um, I think the next song you did was Sorry Suzanne. Yeah, well, you know, what are you supposed to do? You know, I I had a family. Uh, I had to earn earn the bread for them to eat and uh, I had to get on with things. And and I suppose that uh, Graham did me a favor by, by leaving. Um, I think it was not one of the best things that happened to me, but it it, it made me grow up mm. in a way that, you know, I had to take over things, you know, I had to make decisions that maybe Graham used to take. So, um, you know, getting involved with Terry Sylvester, uh, who, I, who I think uh, took over very well from Graham's, Graham's part. Mm. And Sorry Suzanne being there at the right time, it was the right type of song for the Hollies, and and I think he made number two. You know, it, mm-hmm. making number two after Graham had left uh, was like having a number one. Yeah. Uh, and then having the songs, you know, after that, there was no gap in between Graham leaving and us having a hit single. Mm. So really, you know, I mean, I don't think it ever crossed Graham's mind that hey, you know, you're not going to get anywhere without me. But um, we proved him wrong. Mm. I'm sure it wasn't the intention, but you proved him wrong in an even bigger way with your incredible version of He Ain't Heavy, He's My Brother. A fabulous song that came out of the blue. Again, it was one that Tony found. It was just on some publisher's desk, and Tony says, well, what's that? And the guy says, oh, have it. It's a song called He Ain't Heavy. Uh, brought it again to Ron Richards, and, you know, we thought that maybe it was, you know, ballads really weren't our thing at that time but mm. uh, but you know the the actual message of that song got through to us you know and and we thought well we, we've got to give this song a chance and it was beautifully orchestrated i think the production on it was marvelous and we got really good vocals you know out of that it took a while to get into the charts but it did it slowly and it did it you know it, it went straight to the top and mm. to actually find a song like that which to me is a classic yeah, you know, it, it has to prove itself that you know it's a song that can be played time and time again, and it's one of those things that you always get the the heart tugging at your heartstrings. Mm. Uh, you know, it's been a hit three times in three generations. Yeah. Uh, so you know, but, but I wasn't on the last one, but there you go. That was for charity, and mm. you know, it was going to sell for a good cause. To so have a hit with Ian Heavy in 1968. And then have the hit with Ian Heavy again in 1989, if I've got my years right. It just shows you how good the song was.
Oh, when Elton John was on piano on that one, actually, wasn't he? He was, yes, and, um, and the, I think he played on a couple of our hits. I can't, can't really remember what. See, the I, one. I can't tell the bottom. That's it. I can't tell the bottom from the top. Mm. <laughs> wasn't my particular favourite, but there you go. It did its job. I think he did a version of that. Did he? Yeah. I'd like to hear that, even though we didn't write it, but I'd like to hear that. Because well, uh, Elton John, we used to have his publishing. Okay. We signed him to our publishing company, and Dick James stole him, <laughs> just as he was getting well-known. But there you go. 
<laughs> another story for another time. version to this song and it seems to be a bit of a country standard but actually I've, I've chosen a bit of a, a heavy rock version and it's um, just a few years old and it's Vince Neil, I think he was in a band called Motley Crue and his version of Long Cool Woman <laughs> Long Cool Woman mm. oh wow, my favourite song yeah, stories about that 
Long Cool Woman was on an album called Distant Light, which we, uh, well, we were very, very pleased with that. And this song I wrote with Roger Cook, uh, who produced the, the second album, which is on this uh, sideshow. And I used to meet him in Park Lane, where they had an office for Air Studios. Well, one day I met him down there, and I had my guitar, and we had a bottle of brandy between us, and, and we wrote Long Cool Woman. Wow. Uh, which was, well, it was, it was very different from, from what I usually write. But I, I took this into Ron Richards, and, uh, and actually Ron Richards wasn't there. We actually went into oh. the studios because Ron was ill. We got into starting doing Long Cool Woman, and uh, Tony said to me, well, you know, you wrote it, you, you play the guitars. Uh, I said, okay, you know, so I laid the guitar tracks down with Bobby and Bernie on bass, and then I put the uh, the vocal on, like in two takes, mm. and uh, the engineer at that particular time mixed it and put the slap echo on my vocal, and we said, right, that's a great album track on the album. And uh, and then I left the Hollies. Oh. Um, not that I wanted to leave the Hollies. I just wanted to do something different, you know, because I was writing things with Roger and a lot of other people and, and wanted to do sort of things my way. The way I look at Long Cool Woman, that was where I wanted to be, yeah. if you understand that, mm. you know. Different sound. Uh, it's like an off-the-cuff thing, and, 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 it, and it happened so quickly. But uh, I got a phone call from America asking me, if from this particular company called Carly Music, if they could publish it in America, and I, I wanted to know why they wanted to publish that one particular song. And they said, well, it's racing up the charts, and the Hollies have got a hit with it. And there I was. I was the guy that sang the song. I was the guy, I was the guy who played the guitars on the song. Mm. And I wasn't going to be able to there to promote it. But, you know, it made number two in America, and mm. number one everywhere else in the world. But England, and people like Motley Crue, uh, Texas, quite a few people covered mm. it. So in the end, it wasn't um, it wasn't a bad thing to have done. Yeah, uh, but I wish I'd have kept that song for myself. <laughs>
the next track that I'm playing is what described in the sleeve notes to um, Sideshow as one of the greatest non-hits of the decade, uh, which is Who, and that's off Headroom. Yes. Well, I mean, I wrote that when I was in a very sad mood. Mm. <laughs> and I like that song for its simplicity. Mm. You know, and um, you know the, the lyrics in it at that particular time. I was, I was I was going through some sort of you know difficulties really, and um, and that was my outpouring. Well, you know, people mm. and they have their different minds about what it means to me. I know what it means to me, but I can't tell you. Yeah, that was released instead of your uh, your version of Drift Away. Yes, it was. Well, I mean, I found that you know the original, the writer Mental Williams. Uh, I found that in a publisher's office, and I thought, what a great song. So, you know, we went in, and we, we just did it. You know, we did it like we were doing a gig. And I thought, that's really good, Drift Away. I think that should be a single. But as you say, you know, they uh, they wanted something else. And I was quite pleased that they chose Who, you mm. know, because it was really my song, and it was it was representative of, of, of how I would sing that type of song. Yeah. I think it has a lot of emotion in it.
the next track is a song that well i had to play really um which is you went back into the hollies they asked you to come back into the fold i understand yes they did um i think it was about a two and a half year gap well you know i didn't want to leave in the first place they they just thought that if i became successful on my own that i i would go on and they would have to replace me anyway so they decided that i should leave and do my solo career and never come back but no they um I had a meeting with Tony one day, and he says, look, you know, he said, we're missing you. Do you fancy coming back to the group and uh, carrying on as we were? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it was a no-brainer to me. I said, yeah, like, let's do it. Let's get on with it. Let's write some songs. Yeah. And, uh, I, I think that uh, the first song was, I think it was uh, the, the day that Curly Billy shot down Crazy Sam McGee. So I wrote that with that song in mind that could probably be a follow-up to Long Cool Woman. Mm. Uh, but the gap had been too long. Mm. But but it was a hit. The big hit off uh, that album was Air That I Breathe? The Air That I Breathe. Now, another song just like He and Heavy. Mm. A classic song. And again, that's where Phil Everly, Phil Everly came back into my life. I went into that same office that I wrote Long Cool Woman in one day, and the secretary of Ron Richards said that she'd just listened to a Phil Everly album. And there was one particular song on it which was beautiful, and she thought that uh, that I should do that song. And obviously she meant I should do it with the Hollies. I'm listening to it, I thought, I'm not going to be able to sing this as well as Phil. Yeah. Uh, so they said, well, you've got to try. Uh, just put, do, do the way you would sing it. And that's what, we, that's what we did. We went in and recorded this song, which was a beautiful song to sing. Harmony-wise, you know, I think Terry did a great job on that. Uh, and, you know... To me, that's, again, a classic which will just go on and on and on. You know, when I look back at our past now, most of the songs that I played regularly is like Bus Stop mm-hmm. and It's Being Heavy and it's, uh, it's The Air That I Breathe. And people have tended to forget all the other songs that went in between all those. Yeah. I think we did have about 35 or 36 hits. Yeah. So, you know, um, there, I think there's a lot there nowadays uh, which uh, people out there don't know uh, about the Hollies. Yeah. And, um, you know, we, we weren't just a three hit wonder.
The next track is uh, one of your own, and it's uh, your version of Don't Let Me Down Again. And that's another situation where you picked a song by a relatively unknown artist who was about to go massive. Well, I mean, you know, someone had told me about... I had a a friend of mine, Ray Glynn, who I did a lot of work on the albums with, said that he'd just heard these two this sound, Buckingham Knicks, and, you know, I should listen to the album, which I did, and the track that stood out was Don't Let Me Down. You know, yeah. again. Just wonderful. You know, I thought, these kids are great. Why aren't they bigger than they are? Mm. Well, there you go. It was something that I probably saw before they did, you know, because they went on to actually be Fleetwood Mac, really, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. They from... are Fleetwood Mac. Yeah. To be honest. Mm. Uh, yeah, so uh, maybe a little bit before my time. Baby, baby, don't treat me so bad I'm not 
I know that I recorded uh, Gary Leeds from the Walker Brothers. Um, oh, yeah. I did a single for him. That was very good. I don't really know what happened to that, to be quite honest, because I thought, I thought he would have had half a chance with it being Gary Leeds. But, you know, there you go. He was never the front man. Okay. Gary Walker. Let's hear it. Hello, how are you? A 1974 single. Through the ground, and I'm 
Alan um, playing uh, a couple more tracks off I've Got Time, and there's two particular highlights, the Stand By Me as well as The Long Way. Can you tell me about those two tracks? Well, as you know, Spence Proffer and I did sit down and, and choose like all these songs from, from a list of 24, mm. and the ones that really stood out to me the first time around was Stand By Me and The Long Way by Dan Fogelberg. Wow. Uh, who I always admired. When I first heard it, I thought, I'd love to sing that song. I, I think that I can really, you know, do a decent job on that. And I think it came out really well. Um, I think that that probably could have been the, the type of song that would could be a follow-up to The Air That I Breathe. Yeah. It's that type of song. You know, it has a really, really good sentiment about it. I, I loved it.
and stand by me because it's rock and roll, really. And, uh, and, and in my heart, I'm a rock and roller. Yeah. worked with Gary Brooker in the, the late 70s, I think. I think the Hollies did. Yeah, the Hollies. With him while I wasn't there again for that second time. Mm. Uh, but that didn't last long. Do you work with him on a track called Say It Ain't So, Joe? Oh, Say It Ain't So, Joe. I thought that was a brilliant song. It is. I mean, that's that's really high. But that was the guy that was in a musical, wasn't he? It was, um, I forget what his name is now, but, but I heard that song and I said, we've got to do it. 
I, you know, at that particular time, I think we would we would really doing some nice stuff with uh, with Ron, without me actually getting my library out and looking what was on these particular albums. I can't really put the tracks together, mm. but I do remember, you know, saying so. I thought that should have been a single. It may be just that little bit too long for a single, but but as a complete song, I thought it was fantastic. It's lovely.
the next track is Dear Eloise, but it's a uh, relatively new version from last year by a, an American band called King Penguin. The reason I played that was that because it's on a uh, Hollies tribute album called Re-Evolution, Fuida Mare Sings the Hollies. And that's, oh, wow. um, well, I was privileged enough to actually write the sleeve notes for that record. And yeah. um, that's a whole load of new bands and young bands, mainly the, the material that you wrote in, in the Hollies in the, that sort of 66 to 68 period. Right. And... Um, for me, the reason I chose that song was just that it represented the, the legacy of you and the Hollies and wow. that you're still massively thought of. And, you know, I don't think it's just, as you were saying, it's just the big pop hits. I think even with some of the more psychedelic stuff, that the work that you did is still very much loved. Right. Yeah, I'd like a copy of that. Mm. Uh, it was forever changing with the times, you know that. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you had such a prolonged career. Yeah. Can't keep the same all the time. Dear Eloise, I am writing to say a number of funny things I heard today. I heard that left you and run up to see could be the best thing that happened that happened Kindly, he treated you kindly A 
number of funny things I heard today I heard that he's left you and run off to sea Could be the best thing that's happened, that's happened to me There's a Holly song that's from, uh, I think it's from 1980 or 1979 that I, I love, and it's a song by Mike Batt, Soldier's Song. That's a oh, right. great recording. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, we went in and we did three tracks with Mike, and Soldier's Song, was obviously, it was orchestrated. I could probably sing that a lot better now than I did then, but I, th- I think it was a good song, and, and it should have got charted. We actually did a song at, at the same time called If the Lights Go Out. Yeah which I think Kate and Malua did. Oh, okay. Yeah, and I thought that was a brilliant song. I, th- I, I thought that that should have been the single and not Soldier's song. Yeah. It was a brilliant song. And, I, you know, it was one of, those, one of those songs that, you know, when you hear it, it gives you the feeling like you want to hear it again and hear it again. But it was a good, great song. Should be put out. Is that in the vaults, then? Is that not being released? Uh, you, well, it's, it's on a compilation album. Oh, is it on one of the box sets? It's one of the box sets, I think, uh-huh. called The Hollies, The Long Road Home. Ah, yes, of course. Most of our stuff is on that, but not all of it. Yeah. Yeah.
another thing I have to mention, obviously, and it must have been an absolutely amazing thing, was being inducted in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as part of the Hollies a few oh, years back. It was fabulous. Mm. It really was. You know, there was a little bit of a worry that, you know, that I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to make it. I was emailing Graham and Graham was emailing me mm. and Tony and Bobby wasn't going to go. And I thought, well, you know, you know, this has got to happen. You can't yeah. just say no to something like this. And at that particular time, I thought, well, you know, I, I haven't really been singing for the last 12 years. I mean, am I going to be able to do this? Uh, Graham just said simply to me, he says, just leave it to me. Mm. Uh, and that was good enough for me. So I said, yeah, let's let me and you do it. Mm. And that's what happened. And it was one of the best things that I've ever done now. And I'll remember it for the rest of my life. It was just a magic evening mm. to be presented with such an honor be put into a Rock and Roll Hall of Fame with like the, the, the likes of, of uh, Buddy Holly and mm. the Epic Brothers and Elvis Presley and Prince, you know, and all those other all those other people, you know, it was just a great thing to happen to me. Yeah. Somebody that used to work in the mill. Have you writing material at the minute, Alan? Well, I've never stopped, you know. I mean, mm. that, I, I jot lyrics down. At the particular moment, I've got somebody which is um, doing a song that I wrote called a love that never blooms. What I've done, I've sent the lyrics away to this particular person that I like, and, uh, and she's uh, putting music to it. So, you know, I'm, I'm just waiting to see how that turns out. And uh, I might get back into doing more lyrics and, and maybe, you know, doing a few, uh, a few vocals here and there, but never, ever going out on tour or anything like that. Yeah, nothing too big. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did all that for nearly 40 years. Yeah. And though I miss it slightly, I wouldn't want to go out doing, you know, the tours that I used to do with the Hollies, which they're still doing, by the way. But, uh, you know, no, I wouldn't want to be a part of that sort of circus again. But, you know, who knows? I've, I've had lots of offers by lots of people, yeah. but I'm not really ready for that yet. Yeah. You seem in a good place, though. I am. I'm in a very good place. Mm. Uh, you know, I've got a great family. I've got great grandchildren. Life's been good, and I hope it carries on being as good to me. That's what's important. It certainly is. There's a song that um, I love of yours, and it's not from uh, Sideshow, but it's one of my favourite of your records, and it's from Legendary Heroes, and it's a song called The Survivor. Right. I think that's one of the best songs that you've written. Well, I mean, I, I, well, I met a guy called uh, uh, Gary Benson, um, who had, uh, he had a number one hit with one of his first records. And mm. um, I did a lot of writing with Gary. And, and and that one, I Am a Survivor, obviously is one of them. Mm. But, you know, from meeting Spence Proffer um, in the States, you know, I did about four albums with him, you know, so there's, there's more stuff out there that people haven't heard, unfortunately. But, you know, I was proud of everyone that I did with him. Alan, uh, thank you so much for your time. Um, I can't tell you how much, a, a much of a privilege it's been. It's been a complete honour to spend a, a little bit of time with you. Well, I, I, ho I hope you got what you really you wanted. Did. You did. I did. All right. All right. Okay, mate. Cheers, then. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye.
Let's go.